0: He's to the 45,
1: oh, to the he's with the 50. 50. Oh, no, he's not. No, he's not going to plant it in midfield of the O, is he? Wow. Yes, he is.
0: Rattler again to throw it. Steps up in the pocket. Throws on the right. All right, guys. Welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host this evening, Kami Armorabian, joined by Stephen Brown. Stephen, how's life, man? I know you are working all the time,
1: dude. It's it's insane right now with the with Christmas just a couple days away. It's just nonstop work, and then I'm doing some other stuff. So. Uh, But it's good. I mean, busy is good. Can't can't complain about it. I mean, we almost have football back, so it's not bad. Yeah, there's been some bowl games on
0: recently. Tulsa won today in convincing fashion. There have been some actually pretty good bowl games, and I'm a proponent of keeping the bowl games like where they are. I know some people have said like because the earlier bowl games are actually really competitive and fun to watch. Why would you want to limit the amount of bowl games? The reason like why I would want to limit the amount of bowl games is because I don't think teams with a losing record should <laughs> get a bowl game. Like because a bowl game is is a reward for your season and it's a reward for the players that get to play in it. They get they actually get gifts from those bowl games. And you get to, you know, earn more money for your school one last time. I mean, what's your take on the whole bowl game situation? Should they cut down the amount of bowls?
1: Um, I used to be pretty anti-bowl, kind of like you are right now. But um, nowadays, there's so many, like, fun highlights out there that, you know, just keep keep the number of bowls you have now. Because there are teams that really don't get that much exposure throughout the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, suddenly, they pop out. Someone makes a massive play. Um, it's just, it's just kind of fun to watch, so. They don't really mean anything, but um, it's never bad to have more college football. I think the reason why I'm probably super against bowls, more bowls
0: this year is because Texas went five and seven and there was rumors that there was a possibility of them making it to a bowl game. And I was not having any sense. of that. So anyways, those like
1: FCS teams.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's that have Like a
1: decent season, but aren't going to make the playoffs, obviously. Right. That's true. That's true.
0: But anyways, today we have a, it's a shorter, it's going to be a shorter podcast. It's Christmas week. Uh, Some coaching staff names, some rumors, uh, some more Caleb Williams talk, and then a lot of your Twitter and Discord questions. So let's go ahead and get started. So talking about coaching staff names, we've been talking about Jeff Lebby for like what the last two weeks, right? Or even more than that, it seems like, because. When rumors of Brent Venables making it back to Norman as head ball coach came around, then the name that accompanied him most often was Jeff Leby. And we know about Jeff Lebby from from Baylor down to UCF. He was the guy on the Oklahoma sideline ver, uh, versus Tulsa. He's an OU grad. His offenses are extremely tempo. Um, They run the ball really, really like hard downhill running, uh, but the wide receivers are way out to the boundaries. Like we talked, we just talked about it previously before actually podcasting and like wide receiver splits are out towards even the numbers. And so he doesn't use a lot of, H-backs that was a a really a big staple in Lincoln Riley's offense I mean you would always see H-backs multiple H-backs you would have actually in Lincoln Riley's uh, offense do you expect to see more traditional tight ends as an approach because of a shift from Lincoln Riley to levy and like or or do you think they're still going to be using an H-back in some sort of I don't know offensive Plan. i mean joe john finley talked about it on the signing day special but he's not going to obviously give up any information
1: right and i think they're doing away with the h-back designation i think they're just going to call it the tight end from now on um more of a utility player a guy that can kind of either slide in as a traditional fullback um or you can kind of put him in line as a tight end or you can flex him out as like a tight end h um but I'm not exactly sure what they're going to do with this because if you look at Levy's offenses and you know, what they want to do is they want to do a lot of tempo. So um, they want someone with some versatility. Obviously a Braden Willis would fit that there um, playing H back, playing tight end, those two positions. So um, the one thing I am curious about is what his offense looks like without um, like an offensive head coach over him. Cause You look at his uh, his UCF offenses. There wasn't too much tight end action in there. Um, You look more when he went with Lane Kiffin. Um, Obviously, the tight end kind of not a centerpiece of the offense, but was there. Uh, A lot of motion, trying to get him back and forth. Didn't Joe John come from Ole Miss, too? Yes. He went from, I believe, Texas A&M, then Ole Miss, and then OU. Okay. So he's had quite a little journey back to... uh, back to Oklahoma, but uh, I'm curious to see what he looks like just without kind of some oversight there.
0: And so, and that's, that's the thing, you know, that's, that's a good point. You know, he's been under Bryles as an assistant uh, that people don't want to talk about, even though they're going to have to talk about it. He's been at UCF. He's been with a bunch of very familiar names. So what offense we're going to be looking at is we're going to see a lot of familiar kind of sets. So we're going to see a lot of familiar things, just because of the, the Baylor connections, because of the Hypo connections, because of um, what he's done with Lane Kippen. And so like a lot of what his his philosophy is, is stuff that we see all the time and we've seen previously for the last, I don't know, like 10 years. And so there's not too much. But as his own, because like you said, he's had offensive coaches, uh, over overlooking his offenses and hypo and and, and lane kiffen and so he's had more room to make his own wrinkles and i'm very curious to see you know venables he's gonna like of course have guys like you know he, he's gonna have oversight of the program but i imagine he's gonna let levy do his thing but of course with the guise of you know Venables understanding that they need to come to an understanding about snap counts, because I know Levy loves to run a lot of tempo. They're very fast. Uh, the, he says that the three Fs, what are they fast, physical, and fearless. And they're trying to run snaps upon snaps upon snaps. And for a, a Venables defense, I don't think that's something that he necessarily wants. So I think they're going to try to have to meet a happy medium between those two. Uh, but at the same time, I'm curious to see the wrinkles he throws in as himself because we all know Josh Heupel has imprints on that offense he ran at UCF. We all know that Lane Kiffin certainly had imprints on that offense he ran at Ole Miss. So I'm very curious to see what he does at OU, especially with the tight ends coach and Joe John Finley. Who They have Jason Llewellyn, who's more of a guy that can play uh, on the line. He can chip and he can go out and catch. But also you have Caden Helms, who's more of a finesse kind of uh, tight end. Uh, you got Braden Woolis, who I think is going to come back and he can do a lot of things. He can play H-back if you wanted him to. Like you said, the H-back position is kind of like now a tight end, hybrid tight end H-back position, kind of as it was. I mean, you'll see guys sliding in there occasionally slash all the time. And so I'm very curious to see what that approach looks like. And so for the sake of fun, this is a guy that I kept on thinking about. Heading into this season and a guy that I was really, I'm, I'm very, very curious to see, uh, what you think of if he had not been, if he had not made a very, very stupid decision over the summer, as you know, teenagers had do. And as we all do, we've all made really dumb decisions. Some of us just have not gotten caught before. Uh, but maybe not to this extent. Mikey Henderson, he was one of my favorite players um, in this in a couple draft classes ago. He reminded me of Josh Norman from the early 2000s team. And so I was going to ask Mikey Henderson. He was a very, very, very talented player for Lincoln. Riley would have been an, an awesome, excellent H back slash like emergency running back for Lincoln. Riley if Mikey Henderson had not done anything stupid, where do you think he would have maybe fit in a Jeff Lebby offense that runs out a lot of 11 personnel? Like, Do you think he would be a flanker like like Josh Norman was in the early 2000s who was a former running back? Do you think he would have been a tight end? Do you think he would have been just basically like a utility guy? What do, what do you think about where he would have been?
1: I think he'd be more along the Josh Norman route. I don't think he'd be a tight end per se um, only because he doesn't really fit that body type. And I think what Mm -hmm. they would want to do with those tight ends is they want someone they can put in line um, when they want to run the ball. And obviously if they want to go tempo, run the ball, run the ball, and then suddenly when want to spread it out again, um, Mikey Henderson kind of fits that bill. So he'd be more of like a running back slash receiver, more than a fullback tight end kind of thing. Yeah,
0: that's that's the vibe I get. I'm um, again, again. I was one of the first ones to. I mean, I'm not t- to my own horn or anything, but I just remember thinking I was one of the only. I was one of the first ones to really say, "Hey, this guy reminds me a ton of Josh Norman." Not just like his talent, but his physical profile, as far as what his body type is and how how long he is, how strong he is. And so I was very curious to think, I think, I think you'd have been used as a flanker too, a guy that's kind of a receiver, a guy that could be used to run the ball, a guy that would run reverses, stuff like that. Kind of stuff that Jordan Smallwood did, except with a little bit more emphasis on the run and blocking. And so I think, I think it's interesting, you know, Um, but also talking about Sooners that also would run the ball. You have so former Sooner and he eventually transferred because a Sooner running back room was just stacked at the time a shard choice, uh, eventually tr- uh, transfers to Georgia Tech uh, to be Yellow Jacket and then eventually becomes a position coach at running backs. He was Lincoln Riley's running back coach for roughly half a day and then eventually ends up flipping that and going to Texas to be their running back coach. And now there are several pieces of information that are floating out that are saying and suggesting Lincoln Riley Uh reaches out to DeMarco Murray with a bigger bag, with more money, uh, and with a with a bigger title like run game coordinator or something to that effect, which is just fancy words for we need to give you more money. You know, that that's how they give you more money, is there are titles, right? So, in your opinion. Is this something that Sooner fans should be concerned about? Is this something that is even on your radar? What do you think of, what do you make of that entire situation from both sides, from Lincoln's side and from DeMarco's side?
1: It's definitely on my radar. Um, I don't think it's that far up there. I'm not that concerned about it because uh, I'm just kind of hearing some of the details behind the hiring of Brent Venables and kind of, some things that need to be met some, some things that needed to be addressed and even farther back when they were kind of um, talking with Lincoln. What do you mean?
0: Like you talked about about as as
1: far as like budget. So um, one thing, as far as what they wanted was a budget for um, the assistant coaches. So they wanted to expand that budget, but they also wanted a budget for expanded personnel as far as quality control analysts, that kind of stuff. So, um, I think they're probably going to get it. I mean, they just gave was it Ted Roof like 1.1 million dollars to uh, to coach the defense when he probably shouldn't make that much. But um, I really don't think there's a situation where, as long as the price is reasonable, Oklahoma's not going to meet it. I mean, it's going to it maybe it's going to be like a 500 thousand dollar thing. I think they would do it.
0: Yeah, and those are kind of the same vibes I've been getting. I mean, on a scale of one to ten. How concerned would are, are you? Ten meaning like the dude's gone. One meaning, of course, he's staying on staff. Like totally.
1: Um, I'd give it like a three or four. It's not that far up there, but obviously USC has been able to put some things put some things together that uh, that we didn't really expect. So it, it's just kind of on the radar right now.
0: Yeah, and I would agree. I mean, there are a few things at play that would suggest uh what you're saying. I mean I've been led to believe that there were promises made maybe by maybe by Joe C and Joseph Harrows, who's the president of the university, to the former staff, that they were promises unkept or things that weren't necessarily that they would say they would get to, but never really did. Like you said, expanding budgets and expanding uh, the amount of coaches on the staff and recruiting and all the other good stuff. And when we, then we look at the hiring of Brent Venables and we see maybe some of those things that the previous regime wanted that Venables got down and, Possibly got down in writing before he would sign on that contract on his way to Norman. I mean, that's why you have Thad Turnip, turnip Seed likely heading to Norman. I mean, that's that that's yep. a big thing. I don't think there's. I think that signing of Thad Turnip Seed, uh, thad, thad Turnip Seed, um, happens without that blessing, right? Of Harrow's and Castiglione saying, All right, you know, we'll get you what you need to be successful for this program to be successful. And so when I think about DeMarco Murray, I mean, I think about the guy just in general. As soon as everything went down, Lincoln Riley's out and then all of a sudden puts on a, a USC pullover, starts going recruiting, flips re- really round, and then gets another re- highly re- rated recruit. He's in the 70s right now, I believe, their system, their their class, but I'm sure it'll be highly, more highly rated as the year goes on into National Sign Day 2, just like OU. And I look at DeMarco Murray and I think, okay, he was one of the guys that he's new to staff. He could have left with Lincoln Riley, but Lincoln Riley maybe maybe didn't want him at first. And he stuck around and went to every, like it felt like every single recruit's house. He was at everybody's house trying to recruit for OU, not knowing whether or not he'd have a job. And I think that speaks volumes to where DeMarco Murray is kind of siding right now. Again, we talked about this previously. It sounded like it was the defense and guys that were loyal to Lincoln Riley versus the OU guys, and of course Tibbs is the odd man out, which is now the defensive line coach at SMU, which is actually a pretty good landing spot if we're being quite honest for Tibbs. And we'll see; he'll he'll land at a higher spot soon. And so Demarco Murray, I'm we're basically where you're at at a little level, level three or four. I'm not too concerned. I think if Josie, I think, I think, I mean, heck, he brings in Gavin Sawchuk after all of the things that went down. And then there's the possibility he also brings in Javante Barnes after all the things that go down. And it whether or not he gets a raise this year, I was assuming he was going to get one next year. And so, I mean, I, I, I really don't think, I think it's a no-brainer for Joe C. Mm. I think it's a no-brainer for Staff. So I'm not too worried. Um but
1: it's also not hurting for money either.
0: That's true. Yeah, that's true. And you know, there is obviously um there th- yeah. I'm I'm not, I'm not I'm not too worried about it. I was actually pretty shocked when I saw that Lincoln Riley is went started to go after DeMarco Murray, which I think is interesting. Cause like, isn't that like a tampering thing? Isn't it like, I don't, I don't know. Eh, I don't know if there's rules against that for, for, for college. And
1: it might for, be for more coaches. on the agent side. I don't think yeah. there's like direct contact yeah. or contact Ga- gauging interest in
0: whether right. or not you'd like to move back. Uh, but I mean, signing Gavin Sawchuk in itself you deserve a raise and if you get Javante Barnes give that man a a, a comf, complete full raise but it's not something if you're a Sooner fan that I think in right now I would be worried about but we'll see where we are in two weeks because it feels like the last month has been going on so slow and I feel like over the next over the course of the next month waiting on the new quarterback, or waiting on the same quarterback, will also be excruciatingly long. And so let's talk about it. Gabriel um, to UCLA, Dylan Gabriel to UCLA, Bo Nix to Oregon, Spencer Rowler to South Carolina, Quinn Ewers to the University of Texas. We know that Jeff Levy has been having several meetings and several one on one meetings with Caleb Williams. Um, and the spring semester starts January 17th and the game is the 29th and we know Caleb Williams is going to play that game. And so within the next two weeks, you're going to know whether or not Caleb Williams sticks it out with OU or not. And now there's been a lot of information thrown out there. Venable says he expects, you know, he'd be surprised if Caleb Williams wasn't around next year. There's been people saying, why would he stay? Like, I'm a pessimist only because um, that way it doesn't hurt as much. You know, because if you're an optimist, that's fantastic. I I love optimists because they make my heart happy. But at the same time, if I were an optimist and things didn't go my way, I would feel really down. And so being pessimistic about it, like basically my notion of Caleb Williams right now is that he's gone until he isn't. Uh, that way it doesn't hurt as bad for a fan if he does decide to leave. And so there's been like a lot of information. A lot of people are su- suggesting he may stay. Some people were suggesting why would he stay? Uh, Some people were suggesting, you know, in this offense, it's not proven to have NFL success despite the fact that Patrick Mahomes played in a very wide open spread offense and based upon space. And look where he is at right now. Of course, though, that offense is a little bit, is, is, is quite different than the one that, um, oh, who, who was Mahomes' offensive coordinator
1: at Texas? He was just, uh, uh, Kingsbury.
0: I think he oh, just, yeah it, yeah, it was, it was, it was. And, and so I just think that, it, it, it's going to be very interesting over the next two weeks about Caleb Williams. And so, regarding Caleb Williams, because we talked about in a podcast last week or the week before, again, it's been a it, these two weeks has been an unbelievable. He has to make a decision soon because the semester he's going to have to he's going to want to enroll for the spring semester uh, for whatever institution he wants to play for, and that has a lot of bearing on OU and that makes sense as far as why Levy is meeting one-on-one to Caleb Williams. So in your opinion, in your opinion right now, you know, the Sooners are gearing up for the Alamo bowl in nine days. I mean, it's the 20th, it's the 20th recording at nine, eight, nine PM on a Monday night right now, percentage wise, where are you at on Caleb Williams staying?
1: I'll go. Um, feel like seventy percent that he's really you you feel that con? you feel yeah. that confident. Um I think there's some some positive growth there as far as him and, and levy's relationship, but also um kind of maybe just reading the tea leaves, maybe a little bit too much. Um
0: boese like coming back and Marvin yeah, Mims Theo acting, Weiss returning Marvin um, Mims acting like Schmidt is gonna do wonders for him, which <laughs> which like he we'll will do wonders for him. And so like you have Weiss and Mims talking about Schmidty doing wonders for him which would suggest he's gonna
1: stick around right um but also i mean if you're caleb williams you can pretty much go to any school that you wanted to go to Yep, regardless of who's there right now um you don't need to play a bowl game to let's say i want to go to alabama alabama's going to take you no matter what mm-hmm. at this point um so I don't really see what the point is that he would stay and stick around for a bowl game and then just, just leave after that. That just doesn't make sense to me. And he comes from a family that's pretty calculated in their approach to his, like his recruiting and everything. Um, so I don't think they would make a rash decision where they risk you know, injury in a bowl game or having a bad performance in a bowl game and, and not going somewhere.
0: The only pause, the only thing that gives me pause is about the last part of that, because part of it I agree. Part of it, the first half, I agree about Theo Wiese coming back because Theo Wiese is a talented receiver. Marvin Mims acting like Schmitty's going to give him a lot of help over the summer and spring. Uh, those are things that would suggest, hey, he's going to stay because he's already talking about conditioning with Schmitty, and so. Looking at those dudes, I mean, Kennedy Brooks is a guy that never even thought about opting out of the bowl game either, which I think is interesting considering he's
1: a he's a strange guy.
0: He is. He's a, he definitely doesn't have the best relationship with the media, right? He's just he's just different, He's yeah. a different kind of guy. And I mean, it could be a situation where Caleb Williams that he started the season and it's quite possible that he has integrity. and and says, man, because he was caught off guard just like everybody else as far as what Lincoln Riley told people. I mean, Lincoln Riley tells people that, you know, Normans can be the mecca of college football, and then he goes uh, three days later and says the exact same thing in, in Los Angeles. And so, I mean, Caleb Williams, after that initial shock, uh, probably, I don't know, he, he wants to finish out the season right for his seniors that are going out. And so it might be a piece where, you know, like you said, it could be a piece where he is calculated and wouldn't play in the bowl game if he intended not to stay. But at the same time, I could see him ha- being a guy that is well-liked by his teammates and having the integrity to finish out the season with those seniors because they did deserve something that Lincoln Riley didn't give him. So I'm I'm really, really not sure about it. For me, I'm saying like 40%, right? And that's because <laughs> that's because again, he, for me, he's gone until he isn't. Nobody really knows until he makes that actual decision. And so, until he actually makes that decision, let's say and we talked about the varying futures, so if you guys want to listen to what me, Steven and Jack said about what Oklahoma's immediate future looks like with and without Caleb Williams. Go to last week's podcast and at the very end we talked about it. And so let's say Caleb Williams does leave, okay? Do you think OU would target a guy like Slovis who's transferring from USC or do you think OU would target some other type of quarterback? Basically like what I'm looking at is do you think they would target target Slovis yes or no or is there a specific body type? Is there a specific type of quarterback that Lebby wants for his offense from the transfer portal? Uh, because like you've, saw, you've just seen the signing of Nick Evers, who is mobile but a guy that wants to stay in the pocket. And so what are you thinking there?
1: I don't know if they would target Slovis or not. Obviously, Slovis had that monster year in 2019. Um, decent year last year, but this year, obviously – didn't didn't go his way um, lost his spot to uh was it is Jackson dart down there right now I think so lost his, his spot to Jackson dart um I think they would go with a guy that's seen a little bit more success maybe um if not maybe you know maybe they' just go after Casey Thompson I don't know that's a guy that um, you know Casey's not the most prolific quarterback but um when you look at Levy's offense, it's kind of like a if-then system almost. Um, so it's an, it's easy to read. I think Casey could make those those throws not not uh, not incredible throws, but it, the system would take care of itself there. And obviously, he's a good runner, so maybe they just go after Casey Thompson.
0: And like that's something that crossed my mind. That that really is something that crossed it sounds my mind. Weird, but but it wouldn't be necessarily like. Again, it wouldn't necessarily be a bad signing regardless. It, 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 regardless, even if that Caleb Williams decide to stay just as a backup. You can hear my dogs in the background. <laughs> so that's awesome. Uh, but it, it wouldn't be a bad sign just in general. I mean, it kind of like helped Texas stay afloat after a while. He's a big guy. He's a guy that likes to run, etc., and so, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not against a signing of Casey Thompson, whether it's a guy that's going to start again. If he's not going to start, he's going to, he's probably not going to come to Oklahoma, but right. if Caleb Williams does leave. I wouldn't mind it uh, considering the kind of offense that Levy likes likes to run. Like at one point, I think corral ran the ball 30 times and <laughs> like with a QB, right. And so like 20 to 30 times in that, I don't know if is is up Caleb Williams alley as far as what he wants to do. Whereas somebody like Casey Thompson, you know, especially if you're running the ball that much may be something that he wants to do. I don't know. Right. It, it, it's a what, good, it's a great question.
1: What Levy does is like, if um, he's very adaptable, as far as what he wants to do with offense, it's kind of an NFL approach. Like if he sees into a, a liability in your defense, he's just going to keep going at it. And if that means that Caleb Williams needs to run, 20 times a game, he'll he'll probably do it. I mean, it doesn't mean they need to. I think they'll have enough weapons elsewhere that they won't be one-dimensional, but it's kind of like that NFL approach.
0: Yeah, and as far as the kind of like quarterback I think Levy would like to bring in, I don't think Levy wants to bring in a guy that is a pure passer. I don't think he wants mm-hmm. to bring in a guy like Spencer Rattler. I don't think he wants to be a, a coach that brings in a guy that can't make defenders miss in open in open space, and so I think he's looking for more athletic guys, definitely dual threat guys, as you can see in Nick Evers, who just fell into their lap quite literally, but also is the guy that me recruited at Ole Miss, and so he's looking for dual threat guys. So Caleb Williams is a guy that kind of fits that bill. Slovist is a guy that does not fit that bill. Uh, Casey Thompson is a guy that does fit that. So again. I'm really curious to see what happens with that. So I, I, I don't know, but we'll, we'll find out soon. sounds like within the next, maybe two, two and a half weeks, it's going to be excruciating, but you will find out one way or another because that spring semester has to happen at some point. Um, Steven, you ever, you, uh, you watch the uh, OU basketball team at all this, this, this season.
1: <laughs> I, uh, I've watched one game, which one or half of one game which which has their one first league. one dang really it. yeah i've been been busy with life that's so fair. i really got to to tune into it. i mean i watch the highlights on twitter
0: and plus that you counts. know i know you're not that big into you basketball i know you hoops anyways
1: i'm kind of burnt out on hoops ever since the thunder that's fair I lost everybody that's fair
0: well so for my for my hoops of update, of course, I think Moser is like a re- is going to be really really good for this program. Obviously, they're already really good for this program. They're, I think they're nine and two. They're on the cusp, but just on the cusp of being ranked. I think they're twenty sixth. Uh, that wouldn't happen if you lot if you didn't lose to a Utah State team narrowly in a invitational and an undermanned Butler team, which they were. They both lost by I think by one. Possession games, or at least the 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 Butler game, they they should have won, and they just completely crap the bed at the very end of each period, whether it be the second half or overtime. Um, but yeah, I, as this team gels, because there are a ton of new stars in this team. Alondis Williams is killing it wherever he. I forget where he went to, but he is just like doing damage. Seen at Wake Forest, I think it's Wake right. Forest or some, something like that, and but. This team is basically filled with transfers unless your name is Jalen Hill and Mo Gibson. Everybody else is new. Oh, and Elijah Harkless. excuse me. And so this team, for them to be playing this well, uh, this early, I mean, they beat, they, they went to UCF, they beat UCF uh, narrowly, and UCF is a pretty okay uh, program. But then they play Florida. I think the number 14th ranked Florida at home, they beat them. Then they go to the BOK Center in Tulsa, where it's very close to Fayetteville. And there was a lot of Arkansas fans there that it was unranked Arkansas, number 12 Arkansas, that the Sooners beat by 22 points. And so it's something that you can be excited about, especially because Porter Moser is actually recruiting, you know, high end recruits that that they have an emphasis on defense an emphasis to offense and getting good shots, not early in the shot clock. And it's just good to see a guy that's so, so energized about the program. No offense to lawn. I mean, like Lon was a nice guy, but he didn't bring any energy to that program <laughs> like at all. Like it was the opposite, but like we all knew he was a good guy, right? Uh, here, you have Porter Moser, who we know is a good guy, but also is very adamant about family, culture, recruiting, and the, and the direction of the program. He mentioned in an interview uh, lately that you know he's from Chicago, he loves it out there, and but he wanted to be a part of a program that you know making it to the Final Four isn't just good enough. He wants to win the national title, and with a guy like Joe C, and he mentioned it himself again, which is another reason why I trust the Venables higher, And I trust a lot of the things that come from this, from this athletic department is that you've got Josie and Joe Harrow's on the same kind of wavelength. And so they've really nailed it on the head with Jenny Baronchek, the new women's basketball coach and their staff. They've been doing well. I think they're nine and one and ranked uh, they Of course, of course did a number on- with Porter Moser and seeing where that team is being carried. And so, just more kudos to uh, Joe C and and, uh, and those guys. And Porter Moser is doing something enormous that's really special. And also getting the student athletes out there to support other student athletes, which also gives Danny Stutzman time to to go and do other like silly things, like wear an OU flag as a cape and then take the OU banner and run around the arena. Steal a member of the Pride's trombone and start randomly just like playing it. I mean, the guy is everywhere. He was on Michael Turk's YouTube channel where they had a fishing line tied to a twenty dollar bill in which they were just catching people. Which is something that you would see out of Jackass <laughs> on MTV. Love that. It's just incredible. But yeah, so let's get into some Twitter questions and Discord questions before we get out of here. And wish you guys a happy holiday. The first one is from Oklahoma. Moma. Uh, also says Stutzman Stan. He asks us to decipher the LOLs among all of the recruits. And I know there's a lot of smoke behind the names of Ahmad Moten, who's a Rivals four star, six foot three defensive lineman, 300 pounds, a guy that fits, again, Venables and what he wants to do in those trenches. Uh, an edge, but just basically a linebacker because I don't know if Venables. I know Venables is multiple, but I don't know if he's multiple enough to have too many edge players. I think he's more of a guy that's going to have your Will, your Mike, and your Sam. Uh, but Mason Thomas, six foot two, again out of Florida, a three-star guy, six two, 215. Are there any other things that we're thinking here as far as the LOLS in the locks and stuff like that? Do you know anything that I have no idea what's going on? <laughs>
1: Um, as far as the Ahmad Moten thing, I think Oklahoma's in a pretty good situation there. I'm not ready to to say the it's a lock at this point. I think um, Miami is a team to watch there, especially with his brother playing at Miami um, for a while. So I'm not ready to call that one a lock. I think one of the more interesting things, and I was talking to someone last night, and they're kind of saying that Devin Campbell. Um, the big offensive lineman out of, uh, I think it's Bowie or Arlington or some, whatever the, I think it's Arlington, the Dallas area. Um, things are getting more interesting there than kind of, uh, what was led on. So I wonder if this is a little bit more of a recruiting effort as far as them trying to close the deal with Devin Campbell than it is like guys committing out like left and right. So. Um, I do think that, you know, Javante Barnes is probably being talked about. Mason Thomas, Ahmad Moten's in there. Uh, But some of this, I do believe, is part of a recruitment effort to solidify things with Devin Campbell.
0: And so I guess my question, it's not really a question, I mean every every recruit keeps on saying hey remember this remember these LOLs remember these locks and i think do you feel like do you get the notion anything is likely to happen on christmas day for this staff and recruits coming into ou or is it something that we're going to have to wait till <laughs> national signing day too
1: i think it's going to be more the along, along the lines of a all american game i don't think it's going to be a christmas thing cuz i think well, maybe. I mean, recruits always commit at weird times. At Christmas, everyone's going to be distracted, so yep. it's a terrible time to commit because no one's really even going to talk about you. Um, but, you know, stranger things have happened. I think this is going to be more of an all-American thing.
0: I think that's fair to say, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just excited because the players are excited when they obviously know something ends up, so, of course, that's always a piece of good news. Uh, talking about more questions. This one's from Josh Reyes. He actually had a few. He first, he asked me how my PhD work is coming along. Uh, it's a lot. So there's that. Uh, he asks how much does Kobe McKenzie see the field next season? Given he's a grown ass man that really doesn't need a red shirt to bulk up. What is your opinion on Kobe McKenzie? Because I think that him and Brent Venables are going to get along just fine.
1: Yeah, I think they had a, Kobe McKenzie just posted a picture of Brent Venables the other day. He did. Um,
0: I think he dyed it. I think he bleached his hair, too.
1: Yeah, the blonde look. Yeah, it's no, kind of different, but. I'm not a fan uh, of it, but you know, it's him, you know. He's a team when guy. you're a linebacker, you got to play with some edge. I mean, what was it? Uh, Travis Lewis played. With, was it yeah, the shark in his hair, maybe? Yep. Yep. That, yeah, those were rough. the good
0: days before Twitter. Can uh, you imagine? Everyone has their own thing. Oh, Can you God, imagine Travis Lewis on Twitter these days?
1: Nightmare on Twitter. Would have, would have been would awful. Loved it. Um, but as far as Cody McKenzie's fit, I think um, I don't know if he'll play right away. I don't I don't see him.
0: Coming Especially like if Deshaun I, White comes back,
1: right? Uh, yeah that that wouldn't do well for his his attempt to play. But he's a guy I think that they'll try to trim up a little bit um, in the weight room. So I think mm-hmm. he might take a little bit of time. He's obviously going to do his four games. Um, but I don't know if he'll play that entire season. So I, I think the better question would be what the hell does Brent Venables do with
0: David Agwebu?
1: That is a very good question.
0: I'm 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 uh, more excited about, and we can talk, we'll talk about Agwebu in a little bit. I'm more excited about what he what that defense with Brent Venables is going to do with Danny Stutzman, who's a freshman all American. I can't remember who said it, it might have been Josh McQuestion uh, or one of those dudes from the scoop that said Danny Stutzman is a more talented version of Brent when he was a college player at K-State. And I think, I think Stutzman is going to get along so well with Brent. And I think that he's going to be, again, I said it last podcast, he's going to be incredible in this defense. And last question from Josh is, should Bob onside kick it every time at the Alamo Bowl?
1: Yes, absolutely. And everyone's doing shots for every onside kick, and it's gotta be a rock and roll. No cave on Thibodeau for that game, so uh well, I didn't think he would play that. That'd be that'd be like a big surprise if he ended yeah. up actually playing that game. So use
0: tackles are blessed and highly favored after that information came out. Yeah. Uh and is Justin Flo playing? Is he even back? He's out for the season. Actually, I don't even know. But another question from the Discord uh, is somebody called somebody named Oh yeah, which sure, yeah, that's fun. Says reasons why Jay Vali because that's a root that's a that's a name that's been floated as far as Sooners cornerbacks coach uh, is a uh, reasons Jay Vali is a good hire, but also why he could be a bad hire. So I kind of went and looked back on his history as a coach, as a player, etc. So and as a person, realistically, he's a guy from Uless, Texas, and that's a guy that Oklahoma recruits all of the time. And so him being in Texas, him being back, him being back in the area where he was previously, I think would be good for him. Um, he had, you know, he played at Wisconsin um, and then for a while after he because he I don't think he went to the NFL. After, for a while, he opened a professional sports performance training facility. And I'm not talking like high school kids, like, like Benny Jenny Wiley. Reynolds or anybody, but I'm talking like NFL oh, and NBA God, athletes. Reynolds. Yeah. I'm talking like NFL and, and NBA athletes. Like I'm talking like really high profile guys or guys that are just trying to get their quick twitch strength back up. He was a defensive quality coach at Georgia in 2016 and 17 for that Rose Bowl win against Lincoln Riley. He was a defensive quality coach and assistant DB coach for the Kansas city chiefs in 2018 In 2019. He's like the cornerbacks coach for Rutgers in 2020. He's a cornerbacks coach for Texas in 2021. He eventually, he was originally accepting a assistant DB coach with the Eagles, but then pivots and becomes the cornerbacks coach at Alabama. And he's about 34 years old, an excellent recruiter. Uh, he's young. He's intense in the field. He knows what he's doing. The players like him. He's relatable. Uh, my only drawback here, if he is the guy that's named, is that it's quite clear from what I just listed out. He kind of bounces around a lot. And so what's your opinion of it? Like, I I think it would be obviously a good hire. He's got NFL experience. He's got, you know, experience in strength and conditioning, which him, him and him and Schmitty might have some disagreements and stuff, but whatever. <laughs> um, but he, I mean, he's coached in the NFL. He's coached uh, at Alabama. You know, he's, he, he's, he's been a quality uh, coach at Georgia. He knows what to look for. And so, Those are things that you're wanting as far as a pedigree. So what would be the, would there be any drawbacks? Like again, he bounces around a lot. That's my complaint. That's really it for me.
1: Well, there's one thing um, you can add on to this positives Uh, going back to Devin Campbell. Again, Jay Valai is his primary recruiter um, at Alabama. So Mm. take that for what you want. Um, but yeah, you mentioned that he bounces around a lot. Um, a guy that has obviously been kind of sought after by larger programs in the NFL, but has never really been given a shot to kind of be that, that main position coach too much. So I think the one thing you're looking here is like the lack of experience as far as being like a full-time position coach, he's still a little bit raw in that regard. And, uh, even more so, like you talked about he's a he's a good recruiter, but he's not super experienced as a recruiter. He hasn't landed that many guys. Um from but well, I mean heck, he, he Texas, hasn't landed that
0: many guides because he can't stick around for one place <laughs> at true. the same time, you know.
1: That's true. But he knows Texas well, he's recruited Texas in the past, so um that would be a big net positive for Oklahoma.
0: I would agree, I would agree. And like the only the only <laughs> thing I could see as a bad hire, because again. If Nick Saban wants you on his staff, if NFL teams want you on your staff, that's you're doing something right. You're obviously doing something right. Exactly, that's exactly what I'm getting at. And you should you should not have to realistically depend on your defensive line to get pressure for your defensive backs to look good. Uh, that's that's where I'm at with that, that entire situation. And so my only drawback is that, again, he's young and inexperienced. And like you said, he hasn't spent that much time at a program. So he's he hasn't reeled in big fish, but you also haven't spent enough time in one place to establish those relationships. I mean, heck, again, he was at Georgia. Then he goes to Kansas City in the NFL. Then he goes to New Jersey in Rutgers. Then he goes to Texas. And then he goes to maybe Philadelphia, but then immediately goes to Alabama. So he's been all over the country. And so there's a lot going on there. And so maybe initially he struggles recruiting, but in the long run, as far as like this year on into next year, I mean, the pedigree shows for what it's worth. I mean, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of teams that want him. I mean, heck, Alabama pried him away from his commitment to the Eagles. So it's clear how good of a coach he is. Um, another guy that gave us a tweet, Gonzo Strangelove, which I think is one of my favorite names on Twitter, says given how you struggled mightily the regards to the secondary for years, the DB coach hire seems especially important, particularly as the Sooners appear to have, have a solid combination of speed length and talent on the roster. Who would you like to see us get? Or what do you, who do you think we'll get? And that kind of goes along with that ally stuff. So do you think the ally smoke is real or is there some other guy out there that you have your eyes on?
1: No, I I think at this point um, it's, it's his his job to turn down. So um, I know they kind of talked about the Michigan DB DBs coach, the Georgia DBs coach. Um, I think the is kind of zeroed in as the main target and they're kind of waiting to see what happens there. Um, whether they have a deal done or not, I don't know. Um, I just know that being in the playoffs, um, your focus really isn't on, you know, what's the next move. It's, it's what's going on um, in that first playoff game. So, I think it's a lie. I don't think anyone else really has an offer at this moment. Yeah.
0: And I mean, I feel like there's a reason why Oklahoma is waiting on that cornerbacks coach. I feel like there's a reason why Oklahoma's waiting on the defensive tackles coach, because I think it's quite possible that those things have already been worked out or they're in the midst of being worked out in Oklahoma and Venables knows who he wants. And I think that's a fair thing to say. And this one is from girth Brooks. Uh, Justin asks a good question. It's related to King of the Hill. It says, who is more likely to survive a Schmitty and Venables coached football team? Bill, the Bulldozer Dotrieve, or Dave, the flying Hawaiian Kalaiki. <laughs> who do you think survives that, that Schmitty uh, strength and conditioning program?
1: I'm going to be honest. I haven't really watched that much King of the Hill.
0: Oh, man.
1: <laughs> that's a little bit beyond my expertise. All right. Uh, the bill does sound like a guy that mm-hmm. I'd be I'd put some money on, though.
0: Mm hmm. And that's that's the guy that I'm actually banking everything on. I'm banking everything on the bill because, you know, again, the flying Hawaiian Kalaiki I mean, he is a guy that was very finesse he tried to get out of, you know, failing grades to play football and all the other stuff where the bulldozer, that guy will do what you tell him to do. And he'll do, you know, he's again, he went to the military and all that stuff. He'll do what you tell him to do in the exact amount of time he'll do it. And if he doesn't make it the first time, he'll do it the second time. Tough as nails. I'm going with the Bill dozer. Uh, that's that's really that's a really fun question. So thanks for that. One not that any of the, these other ones weren't fun. This one was more fun than the other ones were kind of really speculative. This last one I thought was a really good really 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 good question. That's why I pumped the brakes in the Igwebu stuff earlier. Jason Moore asks us speculation on possible position changes for the new regime, especially on offense and defense. I mean, we igwebu. Ethan Downs um are there other guys that you can think of that are would be in line for a position change?
1: I kind of think somewhere in the DBs um you know you might see someone shift over as like a, a full-time safety rather than being like a, a nickel or a corner so um I know gwbu I'm kind of curious to see where he fits in this one because he's not quite as twitchy as you want as like a Sam or a will. Um, but maybe they try to move him like towards the line, or maybe he's more of a specialist at this point. Uh, but I'm also looking at in, in the secondary as well.
0: Do you think Gwebu could play strong side and set the set the edge because he's definitely big enough, and we've seen him blowing up blow up enough blocks.
1: He'd had to. He'd have to add some size. He's already a big dude, but um, he'd have to pull a little more. Yeah, good
0: weight. Good weight to his right. frame. Right. Because I mean we we've seen him weeks. I don't. He's not a Will. He's not a Mike. I could see him playing Sam, and I could see him snuffing out a lot of stuff as far as like just blowing up run plays, especially towards the boundary. Uh, Ethan Downs, unless this man has eaten again like nine Chipotle burritos every day, there he has no business being on a, on a Brent Venables defensive line. He would be a guy that would have to be a stand up linebacker uh, he's teased he's just too light right now what about a key lawrence key lawrence is 100 percent of safety in my book in in brent venables what do you what do, do you think,
1: think you know do you think they try to maybe add some size onto him and kind of play him as that uh isaiah simmons do they call it apex or something like that yeah like that that box that the box hybrid, safety, hybrid that box about safety linebacker right I, i'd be down I guess with the, that it's the speed and athleticism he just not quite as big. I, I would be down with that. What do you think would happen with Billy Bowman? If he were to stay? I would assume he plays more nickel. He's more of a, a nickelback than anything.
0: Do you think he stays in Oklahoma? Uh,
1: that's what I'm watching. I don't know if there's... Because he has the talent to be a full-time player somewhere else. But I'm not quite sure where he slots into Brent Venable's scheme. Because I keep on... Thinking about or maybe he goes to receiver.
0: See, that that's my thing. I keep on thinking about this team and how that a lot of the defensive players have stuck because they know the reputation of Brent Venables. They know like that his defenses for the latter part of like this last decade-ish, especially at Clemson, have been the gold standard. And you know, I think a lot of those guys are very excited to play that through fruition. And so I, I, I just have no idea. So you're going to see a lot more activity going on with the transfer portal coming in, maybe going out over the next uh, basically month. Um, and National Signing Day 2, as Kale Gun- Gundy alluded to, should be more active, of course, than years prior, just considering the nature of everything that's going on a lot of coaching changes, which means a lot more movement on National sign Day too. Uh, so I'm, I'm very curious to see how that works out as well. But um, that that's all I've got for the podcast. Do you have anything else?
1: Uh, join Discord, that's where a lot of the questions came from.
0: Yeah, a lot of the questions came from the Discord. It's a great community, guys. Uh, it's been blown up lately. It's been, bl- it blows up, it's been blown up. It blows up all season, especially since the Lincoln Riley stuff. Uh, I would 100% a- agree with that. And thanks to all of our followers that, you know, I, again, have supported us. And, uh, the, like, we do this stuff for fun. And you guys interacting with us makes it even more fun. So we all appreciate that. Go ahead and follow us on CrimsonandCreamMachine.com and on Twitter. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at CC Machine. You can follow Jack at JLarryShields. You can follow me at Camera You can follow Steven at S B. I'll add the Discord link to the bio of this podcast. Um, If you are in the giving mood, considering it is is the season for Christmas, drop us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. And it makes us more visible to other people that listen to these podcasts. So other than that, thanks to you guys for tuning in, and we'll check you guys later.